endorsed him then, and so far I've never endorsed any product in my entire life, apart from everything in the Tourette catalogue. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'd like to take this chance to encourage my American cousins, and you all are, even the Mexican ones, to buy some wheelnerds.com stuff. I'm going to go online, I'm going to click, click, bang, and get myself a, um, a wheelnerds.com sticker, I'm going to stick it on my top box, and it'll be there uh, for the rest of the time, until my bike is inevitably consumed in flames. Hi, and welcome to Wheel Nerds. This is episode 178. I'm Todd. And I'm Chuck. We're going to be talking about motorcycles. And I have to bitch. Okay. So I was riding over here today, mm -hmm. and I get behind a guy on a Yamaha. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's done the cool thing where he's replaced his signals. Sure. With brake light. Oh, with like totally invisible ones? With like a, something the size of my hand. Uh-huh. And the turn signals... Oh, are integrated into the brake light? Yes. And they're each... Oh, those are the worst. ...a single row of yellow LEDs mm -hmm. on either mm -hmm. side of this hand-sized thing. Yep. yep. I couldn't tell at first whether he was sing singling a lane change or if I was having a stroke. Right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, isn't the point that you want people to see that you're doing this, that you're trying to communicate something? You know, I think this way. I don't... But then again, I'm also not like, bro... I mean, I, I'm all for the my, idea of like having the clean and tidy rear end. You don't want the big tail light pod, whatever. Yeah, why would you? Why would you want a big tail light pod that makes light that people can see? But I mean, wh why? <laughs> why make it so hard? A single line of yellow LEDs. I don't know. That's all you're using to to tell someone you want to change or I, you want to turn. You, you, I have no idea that the bandit came with those flush mounted turn signals that are basically totally invisible. And then we complain that people don't see us. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. we make it harder for them to see. You didn't see me. I'm gonna put on my lights and wouldn't do anything. <laughs> I've replaced everything around me with like reflective aluminum foil, so you can't see me. Mm -hmm. But why didn't you see me? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I, there's there's got to be a balance between that and and actually. Uh, am I just old? No, is this old? Is no, that, I, I think it's old? sensible. I, Missy actually, Missy once upon a time on her Strom put on flush mount turn signals because they look nice on the Strom, and they do. They look pretty good. I mean, I put but, I put flush lights on the Ninja. Yeah. Because, you know, I didn't want to replace them every time I tipped it over. Well, yeah, that's, that's, but, and that was actually one of Missy's goals, too, is not to keep replacing strong turn signals. Yeah. Because they're not cheap. Um, but, uh, you know, she, she was riding behind me, and we stopped, and I'm like, you know, I absolutely, I thought you were not signaling several times. She's like, I signal for everything. I'm like, I, I know you do, because I know you. But, like, it totally looked like you weren't signaling. She's like, really? I'm like, yeah. It's just, go stand over there, and I'm going to use your turn signals. And I go and turn them on. And she comes back. She's like, crap, i got to get rid of those. Oh, it's just, at some point, it's just going to be like just one little blinky bulb. Just boop. That's my turn signal. I guarantee you there is somebody with that. That already right has now. that. They're uh, out there. And they're like, whoa, it's legal, bro. It's probably it's probably the same kind of person that has the sideways license plate hanging off the side of their fender. Totally legal, bro. Bro. No, no. It's the dude with his license plate tucked up. Oh, so yeah. you can't. It's hard to read. Well, you sure it's not one of the ones where it's the eyes of the skull, as the turn signal? Yeah, his wasn't. No, no, but oh. I, it's out there. Oh, okay. I bet I would. I would just bet that on eBay you could get that right That's now. That's a big chrome skull. Oh no, no, it's big. It's just small chrome skull, small. and then the eyeballs blink one side or the other. See, I could kind of get behind the idea of a big chrome skull and yeah. the eyes blink one way or the sure, other. Sure, sure. But like you're talking button size. Yeah, yeah, yeah the skull. button size. It'll bing, bing, yeah. bing, bing. I, I just, hey, hey, don't, yeah, yeah. 
I don't get it. No. Of, of things things you want to be seen, turn signals are high on that list. Like, when you are doing a turn signal, you really, really want people to see that. I mean, I was on a bike, so I was up close behind him. Mm-hmm. And I was still, like, trying to figure out if he was... Is that indicating some or you know i'm just like oh this is it i'm having a stroke i'm gonna die like this this, <laughs> is, this is how i go out <laughs> it's like this <laughs> on a mule, as everyone always expected <laughs> listeners unsurprised go <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yep so this particular show is brought to you by the good folks at helite moto makers of the turtle airbag vest that both of us wear and love yep while we're having strokes <laughs> on Apparently. our bike you can check them out at helitemoto.com also brought to you by the good folks at Senna, who make a, a wide assortment of cool Bluetooth motorcycle helmet gadgets. Which we use to ignore each other. Yes. On, on the bikes. Did you say something? No. Leave me alone. You interrupted my music. <laughs> you can get them at Senna.com. Mm. And, and kudos for pronouncing that correctly. On Thank the you. first try. Did you Thank practice you. before the show? No. Were you staring in a mirror? Holding your card? Maybe. <laughs> That's one of the things we need on our trophy board, actually, is we need the pronunciation of Senna written on the board. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a good one. Yeah. So, yeah Eli it's, it's and Senna. Mm-hmm. So this show is also brought to you by Lang Pipe. But? Yeah. We are, of course, doing business now. Uh, we, we have a superb, dear sir, Salamu alaikum. What? This is somebody from someplace steel group in China. Salmo Sketchy alikum. Salmo alikum. Um, Zinu Steel is a professional and famous supplier of steel pipe coupler and scaffolding. And I got your name and address from the internet. And now you have some purchase plan. Take the opportunity. I will introduce company product. And they proceed to give us a wide variety of pipe that we can buy. Look at the size of those pipes. Man. I tell you, if we had pipe like that, Chuck, we could really lay some pipe. <laughs> uh, I have drainage issues on the one side of the house, so, you know, I'm like, yeah. Do you need yeah, some pipe? Steel pipe. I don't actually need 220 millimeter steel pipe, in fairness. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> that's a, <laughs> that's about a nine inch wide pipe. I don't need it, because I've already got it. <laughs> Zing. 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 Ladies. If you're interested in our company and product, I will gladly receive your return mail and later and details. Ladies. And give you all details. Ladies. (laughs) The aim of company is to do... Creating. Creating the best corporate visualization. Corporation visualization. You are bad at reading bad English. (laughs) My brain keeps trying to turn it. The aim of company is creating the best corporation visualization for a customer with best price, high quality, fast delivery, and... First class service, ladies. <laughs> yeah, my brain keeps trying to turn it into a coherent into sentence. Into words. <laughs> and I'm stumbling over it. <laughs> so bad at words. Mm-hmm. So, so you know. So we've got a so, possible so, new sponsor. Yes. So Steel it's pipe. Also, also brought to you by Pipe. I like the fact that they take their time to greet us with a nice Hebrew greeting. Is that Hebrew? Okay. Yeah. So I have no idea. <laughs> Salmo. It's Salmo. It's not Salam. It's Salmo. You're right. It's Salmo Alicom. Salmo. Yeah. For I know that's like casting a spell on us. <laughs> I mean, it could be trying to say they could be trying to do a uh, an Arabic greeting. Yeah, that's which that was know. my first thought. Assalamu alaikum, which is very similar sounding but different. Salmo alikom. Indy, throw me the weep. Yeah. Who knows? Uh huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Steel. I have another story. Oh, I would like to tell. Go on. So I was riding the uh, the Euro on the freeway, mm-hmm. going to work, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm com- coming up to the uh, um, fifteen two fifteen split, mm-hmm. and there's a truck, eighteen wheeler, in the lane that must exit, mm-hmm. and I'm about halfway up his length when he starts signaling to come over, and you're like, only one thing left to do. I start slowing down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I start braking, mm-hmm. and I see him look over at me and reach out his window, and he starts signaling like. <laughs> Drop the hammer. Go. Go. (laughs) Drop the hammer. Go. I'm just like, you want me to put the hammer down? No. (laughs) I can't, sir. (laughs) Oh, oh, dreams. (laughs) We're already at like 65, you know, 65, 70. There's not much left. No. I'm just like, no, I'll just just keep slowing down for you. It's it's all right. And he's waving frantically at me. Just go. Just He wants to see the bike. He's like, go by so I can see your freaking bike. You've been creeping up on me. <laughs> yeah. And I was feeling so good about passing him up until that point. I'm like, go, you're go. We can do this. Oh, wait. No, we can't. <laughs> no, no. We, no, 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 we can't. Change we, of plans. We definitely can't. Yeah, drop <laughs> anchor. <laughs> and by drop anchor, I mean just let off the gas. Let off the gas slightly. <laughs> All that wind resistance. <laughs> Air brakes. Yeah. Yep. That's the. <laughs> you're riding along, and you're like, you're coming up, and you see, oh, 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 look, it's it's a Volkswagen microbus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's on. It's, it's on. on. <laughs> I'm gonna show you. This shit's gonna get real. <laughs> stay there. Just, I'll be right. Don't work it on it. Okay, just any second. He sees you. He's like, oh no, you don't. And he stomps on it. And he realizes you're already stomped. <laughs> It's like, it's like eh, 66. Meanwhile, meanwhile, some little grandma passes us in her Civic. 67. <laughs> 68. Parts start shaking off of both vehicles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that wasn't important. <laughs> I'm lighter now. I can go faster. Ah, <laughs> honey, what? Throw out the cooler. <laughs> Honey, what? Shove. <laughs> Does the back seat still detach? Yeah. Throw it at the door. We're going to beat this guy. Like four or five hippies come tumbling out. Big old wafting cloud of smoke in their wake. Mm-hmm. 69 miles an hour. Yep. Yeah, so that was my Monday. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah, at one point somebody was, I needed to pass a thing in the bandit, and I just considered doing so, and it did. <laughs> Nobody likes you. I gave I gave some serious thought to the gas, and I was like, "Whoa, whoa, easy!" Ooh, 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 it's ooh. It, the bandits saw you look at the gas. Yeah, it was like you're thinking about gas, weren't you? No, no, I uh, a little. <laughs> okay, here we go. And right, go, and we're going. <laughs> we're gonna go. Oh, you're going around the corner and thinking a little bit about the gas. We're just gonna just gonna lighten that front wheel up for you, okay? Yeah, that's like boss. Thinking about those brakes? You don't need that back wheel to touch the ground. It's cool. <laughs> Everything's cool. Don't worry about it. We're good. We're great. We're good, boss. We're awesome. <laughs> Everything's wonderful. Yeah. The Euro's not so much like that. No. No. No, it's a very different experience. Yeah. The Euro's like, oh, we go. I got to tell you, having been riding the Bandit for a while, going back to the Strom was like, uh, 
Oh, so comfy. Oh, the best. With that oh, seat. so good. Are you going to get one of those seats for the bandit? Uh, I don't know. The bandit's going to have to. I'm going to need to do something with the bars before I worry about the seat. Okay. Um, the bars are not doing good things for my wrists right now. Okay. Yeah. So I need some, I need some bars that are, cause I still need them wide, but like I need a better, like something that's not my cocking my wrists at a funny angle quite so bad. All right. Yeah. Cause the stock, the stock Ricky racer bars were actually at a pretty good angle, but there were these Ricky racer bars that were, you know, like, like practically like holding your fists together. You know what you need? What's that? Ape hangers. Uh, thought about it. Big old wide ape hangers. Yeah. yeah. That'd be awesome. But, you know, I need, I need the, uh, what do they call them? Beach bars. Beach bars. Ones like, I'm like way back on the sides. Oh, yeah. 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 No, I want ape hangers. I want ape your hangers. eyes just up here. Yeah. With big old streamers. That would really suck on the bandit with no wind protection to speak of. That would look awesome. Yeah. I would be so happy. It would be kind of awesome. I would, I would just be so, so happy. But seven eighths inch ape hangers are, uh, are sort of hard to come by. Yeah. I mean, you can go order them, but like you can't get really stupid ones, generally speaking. Listeners, we need your help. <laughs> no, no, we don't. <laughs> Find no, Todd the stupidest bars I'm possible. Thinking, I'm thinking about the, uh, the touring bars that all whole shot sells. You know what your mission is now? Mm hmm. Go out and make it happen. Yeah. You know, if anyone can suggest some cheap bars that like have a slightly, more pullback than my, uh, what do I have? I have like the MSR, like ATV high bars or something. Yeah. Like ideally something like a little, like that kind of wide, but with like a little more pullback. That would you be slick. You should follow up with Bugs because wasn't he saying he had some He bars? said he had some, yeah. I should check with him yeah, and see what he's got. Yeah. Because I need, I need them wide. I got unmodified steering and uh, <laughs> with one fork that just, I brought it in the garage and I was standing on the bike to reach something and the fork just went... <laughs> <laughs> spit oil right out through the seal like it wasn't there. I was like, well, that's fantastic. <laughs> yep, that's a Todd bike. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking around and I'm like, oh, there's oil leaking out here. Todd special. And also here. <laughs> and it's the Gen 2 Bandit with the bad with the bad holes in the uh, piston, so it burns oil. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, it's uh, it's not a Ural. Okay. But uh, there's, there's, there's certain qualities in common. Yeah, yeah. Even like oil anyway. I'm sure there's something out there for us. <coughs> I'm sure something like a Yamaha XSR 900 in Springville, Utah. What a coincidence, Chuck. Yeah. Baby forces sale. Yep. Only 2,500 miles. Yep. Factory warranty. Yep. Beautiful. Powerful. Fast. Fun. Brand new. Rear tire. And new battery. <laughs> new battery. Model number 23. What? Because, what? Great loan number from a collector's standpoint? I don't think a... Well... No. Oh my God! You know what? One more number down, mm -hmm. and this would have matched the edition number of all of my uh, uh, steampunk portraits. Oh, really? And then I went, had to buy it. Sure, sure, naturally, naturally, naturally. Hmm. Keep going. Yes, firm on. Uh, inc I'll include a free cover for storage. Firm on eighty four hundred or best, better offer like the one that you actually have listed in your. Yeah, uh, firm on eighty four hundred dollars, but list it for eighty two hundred. Makes sense. Makes sense. Bad ad ads. Sad to see this leave the family, but babies and family are worth it. He's telling himself over and over in the mirror. Yes. Contact somebody at a suspiciously business looking email address. Guy's a personal trainer. And not a Utah address. Not a Utah number. He must have just moved here and made a baby. <laughs> made a baby. Accidentally tripped and oh, what? baby. Oh, and, uh, well, you know, if he's in Utah County, you know, that's a thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Trip, a... fall, make babies. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And if it's bike still in the warranty, it's 
Mm-hmm. The baby forces sale. That's that, to me. That's that just blows my mind. It's. I it's, mean, babies are expensive as shit. It's sad. Which is you know very and, and it's a case. very realistic situation that someone could be in uh-huh. that they're like, I gotta get. Well, especially grand. especially if you're young and having a baby. Yeah. You know, because like, even with insurance, babies are pricey. Oh yeah, yeah, it's super pricey. But you know, Strama's already paid off. Fortunately, so like, was I going to sell that? No. <laughs> <laughs> you could argue that the Ural cell had certain certain dad car buying uh, desires behind it. Yeah, you know, so baby didn't force sale, but you know, it's not it's not unreasonable to imagine. Yeah, it's that time of year we're going to start seeing more and more of these. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and they're all really proud of them. I just love that the last line is just, you know, baby's worth it. Really? Baby's worth it. Totally worth it. Totally worth it. No, I haven't slept in a while. No regrets. Yes. No regrets. Mm-hmm. Next up, uh, Katana 600 for Ooh, 16, fun. Katana, $1,600. Shed kept, doesn't get drove anymore, has a few scratches on it, needs a battery, but I can jump the test drive it. Well few scratches that entire side looks kind of yeah that, that pretty much looks like the scratches are the entire left side of the bike yeah yeah and uh you know picture wise it's just there's not a whole they've, lot they've taken a shitty picture it's covered Several in slime and dirt yeah. and someone found this shit. <laughs> yeah it's actually it's it's shed kept they know it was shed kept because they bought a house <laughs> and they went out to the shed and they were like Wah! what the hell is this Oh, God, I would be so happy if that happened to me. Oh, yeah, right? <laughs> oh, my God, it's a katana. It's shed bike. Todd, come over. Todd, what is it? Oh, my God, you have a katana in your shed. Yeah. Did you spray? <laughs> <laughs> Quick, jump it. Let's get on. <laughs> well, it... it mm-hmm. 1600 in the U. Yeah, no. No, not not feeling sixteen. Though I would love to ride an old katana. I used to really like that bike. They they were you know the, it depends on which generation because there's there's a lot of katanas right. There's like the yeah. better designed like crazy mega force katana. Yeah. There's the much saner, basically a uh, uh, you know like a largely interchangeable sport bike katana. No, I want the I want the mega force one. Yeah, yeah. I want the crazy no, looking one. That's not this one. <laughs> That's the one I want. This ride, one's though. the this one's the we kind of tried to make it look as much like the Sprint at the time as we could. Yeah. To you know have a sport tour without saying we had a sport tour. Right. Because the Bandit wasn't really selling that great in its fared version. <clears throat> we needed a fully fared one. Yep. Also, people keep fully faring these Bandits and not buying Katanas. Damn it. <laughs> Need to sell. Well, as you predicted, this is happening. <laughs> Eleven dollars. <laughs> wow, that's a really good deal. <laughs> Harley will finance. Okay, pro tip. If you have to finance $11, you shouldn't be buying a bike. <laughs> 2011 HD Soft Tail Fat Boy Low. 96 cubic inches, 5,300 miles. 12,500 is what I owe, willing to negotiate lower price. I have a question. <laughs> you think $11 is what he wants to make on the sale? Could be. So he's willing to sell this for $12,511? Yeah, I, I my favorite part is that's what I owe on it. That's what I owe, and Harley will finance you to buy this bike off me. On a fat boy, you owe almost thirteen thousand dollars. On a six-year-old fat boy. On a six-year-old fat boy. I don't think a new fat boy costs that. Well, not much more than that. <sighs> like I would be surprised if a new fat boy is over fifteen thousand. 
Maybe yeah. someone is making him sell it after he came home with it. Maybe. Look what I bought, honey. This is amazing. Why does he owe so damn much? Yes. This is this is this is a mystery for the ages. That maybe twelve thousand five hundred is what he bought this bike for. <laughs> oh, he just bought it. He just bought uh, it. And she's like, "You better get rid of that bike." Could be. Baby's on the way. Could be. Those babies forcing the sale. Yep. Baby's like, Dad, no, I don't have that problem. God, I can't. I have to. I have to put the cover on my sidecar when it's in the garage. <laughs> okay. And even when I do, my son goes over there, and now now he's getting really good at nonverbal communication. So he starts pulling on it, and going, eh, eh, "Dad, Dad, off, Dad, off, Dad, 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 Daddy, Dad, 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 look over, off." <laughs> yep. Oh, baby forces sale, so I could buy a sidecar for him. Apparently. Yep. Things could be weirder. Speaking of weirder, custom chopper metric mutant. Full custom metric chopper in the building stage. So it's it's part of a custom metric chopper. New wheels, new inverted front end, full custom 46-degree ranked frame special built for Honda 750 Ace engine. So it won't be able to get out of its own way. One-off headlight housing, custom exhaust, tins, and 2002 Honda Ace engine with only 6,000 on it. Mm-hmm. 120, 21 front tire with 250 rear. So custom, custom single in- intake manifold with a 36 millimeter Mikuni carb with accelerator pump. Custom forward controls with all the bells and whistles with many extra parts, including a spare Honda Ace frame modified to 48 degree rake for assembly or for wiring and accessories. All Americanized Harley wheels, tank, and this badass mutant metric. All serious inquiries only. All paperwork included with MSR number for title. Mm-hmm. Come see it. We'll part out if interested. <laughs> so they've got an ACE, which is partly metric and partly SAE bolts, which now that I have that in the bandit, I can tell you is a massive pain in the ass. <laughs> Don't do it. This this was someone's vision that just is, is a bridge too far. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For them to to fully yes. realize. It's going to be a thing. It's going to be great. When? Nope. <laughs> About that. Or they reached a point where just they're just like, you know, this is not looking the way I want this yeah, to maybe, look. Maybe this wasn't actually that cool. He's calling it a 2017 war machine. Uh-huh. Uh, it looks like a bug. Yeah, it totally looks like a bug. I'm getting bug. A lot, like, a lot like of lots of bug. Uh, that bug. could be the green paint tape that's on it. And the the pill bug uh, mm-hmm. rear fender. Yeah, yeah, definitely bug bug situation. The Honda Ace engine is one of my favorites too. Oh, yeah. Why? Not because I really like the engine. Yeah, I'm like, you. why? Yeah, <laughs> because it, that's what he decided to put because it that's in what this. he decided to put it in, <laughs> and and like it'll be great. Well, it'll be very reliable, and. If you have all this metal on it, it's not going to get out of its own way. That, that Honda engine is the, the only motor he had. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's that the was, bike he had to start with. Mm-hmm. Where did he get vision. all the Harley parts from? Or has he been buying like random-ass Harley parts from somewhere? He's going to salvage sales, yard uh-huh. sales, yeah. to the yeah. flea market. Makes sense. This this is a bike that's slowly been taking shape. And he's he's got it on a Harbor Freight lift. Yep, yep, he does. And he's just like, you know what? 
I need this albatross off my back. It is time for this to be over now. Someone else. This, I must I must pass the curse along. It has been three years. That bike isn't any closer to being done. It turns out all the wishes this monkey paw grants are the bad kind. <laughs> Every single one. I just I just want the hurting to stop. Please, please make it stop. Speaking of projects. Speaking of projects, I think we have, I swear to God, we have seen this bike before. <laughs> a 1982 Yamaha Virago 750, which is a great freaking engine, but, but project bike here in Utah. It is covered in just, uh, I'm hoping that that's dirt. That's dirt. I really sincerely hope that's dirt. I finally got a little more information on this bike, such as the year and size, which are listed above. It was given to me by a neighbor in non-running condition, the hell you say, which is still in, the hell you say. I do not have a title, but I will create a bill of sale. Row. Paging row. <laughs> to the white courtesy phone. Sketchy bike detected for row. Not stolen. From what I can tell, all the parts are there. P.S. I don't actually know what bike it is, so I have no real way to tell if the parts are there. Found this bike abandoned in garage. Not included, VIN. <laughs> Not included. Legitimacy. The, the VIN appears to be missing. You which, don't say. <laughs> it's the strangest thing. It's though someone has gone to great trouble to scratch it off. Weird. Uh, so weird. Mm. The scratch marks look very fresh. Mm, mm, weird. Mm. <laughs> Although, let's be fair, looking at this bike with its thick patina of again schmutz. i really <laughs> schmutz that's the only way to call it that's <laughs> the patina of schmutz who would steal this shit not included l cover for seats <laughs> <laughs> not included cover for seats not included running uh free <laughs> see right there there's a lie to his ad free mysterious varnish i don't care how much you don't know about motorcycles you uh -huh. can tell that seat is not all there <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Well, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure this was the, this was, I, I could totally see somebody being like, you like motorcycles? Here you go. And, but yeah. And but, if you know, if you're me or Chris, that's like, you're like, Ooh, would you say that if you saw this, if someone pushed this into your driveway and was like, Hey, if I'm perfectly here. honest, I probably would go, Ooh, <laughs> what, what, I'd be like, Ooh. And then it'd be like a lapse time. What would your my wife, wife open the garage door <laughs> and it would be like, no, <laughs> what is that? <laughs> what? What have you got there? What is what? Um, it's Chuck's. <laughs> I'm keeping it here for reasons. I'm coming up with a lie right now. I mean, I'm not. I, oh, God. Terrible lie. I mean, what's just going to happen? She opens the door, in the, the garage door in the morning to come out to the car, and she sees that just leaning. At this point in our relationship, she would come into the garage, and she would look at it, and she would give me this look like this, <laughs> and then she would just walk back in the house. <laughs> just as a giant spring pops out. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, at some point, I would be tempted to say something completely idiotic, like, but honey, it's the Virago 750 motor. I mean, what a great motor. Imagine how much I can sell this for. Just think, if I if I pour sweat and blood and pain into this piece of crap for the next year. year <laughs> I'd spend all my free time on it. I will sell it. I can make several hundred dollars. I could sell it for dollars. <laughs> Multiple dollars. Pennies for each hour put into it. Yes, clearly. It'll totally be worth it. That said, my initial reaction would always, I'm pretty much any shitbag bike, somebody's like, do you want this? I'm like, yeah. 
okay. I, I would not react that way to this. <laughs> I would be like, man, I, I don't have garage room for your garbage. Unless it was unless it was like the KZ and then spiders ran out of the calipers. Then I'd be like, nope, keep it. Don't I would just be like, here's an address of my friend. Go mm-hmm. go to his house. Yeah, this, is, this is the guy. <laughs> just push it into his. Yeah, push it into his. It's no big deal. Now, next up we have a classic. Harley Davidson sort of. sidecar. Mm-hmm. 77 Harley motorcycle with sidecar running condition. Which is cool. It looks kind of cool. Uh-huh. It looks like a Ural or a Dnieper sidecar. Um, don't know which. Old Harley with the, you know, that cool blue that they just don't do anymore for some reason. I, I like the look shame. of this Harley. Scrape that low slung look. Oh, yeah. It's a, yeah. This, this soft is tail, a neat looking bike. Soft tail relative. But, uh, yeah, yeah. The big thing I see is I look at the subframe that they've mounted the sidecar onto this motorcycle with, uh-huh. and the subframe is like really wide. It is very like, wide, like there wide to the extent that there's a space. lot of leverage that sidecar's got on you. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a wide ass rig. Yeah, but uh, you know, it's paint matches. Yeah. Right? It's got a Superman symbol on it, so clearly you're cooler. Yeah, not as cool as Kanji, but you know. Then again, it's a Harley, and so you want skulls for torque. He hasn't putting air in the tires. No, no, he hasn't been doing that. Because no. <laughs> he's like, fuck air. Air. <laughs> Maybe those Japanese bikes need air in the tires. <laughs> no, and it has a variety of the fun 77 Harley quality items like drum brakes in the front. I was just Ooh. looking at those, like, mm-hmm. wondering, like. Well, if you the trick with those is if you squeeze the front brake hard enough, it will create this vague deceleration sensation. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've got rear drum bikes on the Ural, so I'm kind of familiar with the idea. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> yeah. Imagine that without all the charm and, and appeal. Right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like that. And Ooh. much, much more weight. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, they've got, it's, it's a Harley with a sidecar. It's an odd combination. Yeah, I just, it's that space in the middle. It the is space in the middle really is definitely wide. worrying. Yeah, they, they've, they've... It seems I, twice as wide as it needs to be. It smells suspiciously to me like they had a, uh, there's some universal mount uh, subframe action going on there. Okay. Yeah. That's 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 the smell I get from it. Okay. Universal mount, which pro tip means universally shitty. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever you can mount it on, it'll mount badly. Man. So enjoy. All right, then. Yeah. So we have a guest tonight. Okay, we're on with Brittany Morrow, who is somebody we've been chasing for months and months on end. This has been like the hardest interview for us to get. You think Eric Bill would be tough or mm-hmm. anyone else we've had on? No. no, this is the single hardest person we've had to get on the show. Hello, Brittany. How are you? I'm great. Thank you guys for having me. Sorry it took so long. No, it's it's worth every second. That's all right. And, and, and the reason it took so long is because you were actually off doing too much awesome stuff. Glove Galabag. Uh, yes, I guess that's a an excuse I'm willing to give out is that I was all over the world. So yeah. So Brittany <laughs> is um, the the very famous internet road rash queen. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to see her speak in person a couple of years ago at the AM Expo. Mm. Hey Todd, did you know I went to AM Expo? Oh, I got to again. meet a lot, a lot of people oh, at, never at this kind of thing. Relentless. I did not get to meet Brittany though. Oh. <laughs> well, that would that would require you actually catching up to her, which you know. <laughs> it was really tough. She's <laughs> on the go. You just got to be faster than a unicorn. Mm. Mm. So Brittany, let's let's start way at the beginning with you. Who are you? Okay. 
How'd you get into motorcycles? <laughs> Who am I? <laughs> Loaded question. Well, I started out like any other 20-year-old female, um, jumping on the back of a sport bike with someone that I didn't know. Um, but that story didn't really end the same as most people do. So really the very, very beginning was my first ride as a passenger was when I was seven years old on the back of my cousin Chad's Honda Hurricane. And I've been a happy passenger ever since then. Um, jump on the back with anyone who would give me a ride and didn't really do much discriminating on who I would get on the motorcycles with. So, Did you have any thoughts about well, riding your riding your own bike, or were you always just kind of happy to be the passenger? My best friend and I in high school, we promised each other that our graduation presents to ourselves would be sport bikes, mm -hmm. and that didn't happen because I ran off to Japan, like apparently I do, running off to foreign countries. Well, gotta go. So, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Sound effects and all. That's awesome. <laughs> kind of like the Tasmanian devil. So, yeah, I um, I wanted my own motorcycle, but I just had never done it. Um, I, I did learn how to ride in a parking lot on a, on a borrowed motorcycle when I was 19, um, but I didn't own my own. So anytime I was offered a ride, I would say yes. Because I loved it. I loved, you know, the feeling and being on the back, and it was just a lot of fun. So that's why I continued to do it all the way through um, until my last, the last ride um, <laughs> as a passenger uh, for a reason, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of people misconstrue the story. They think that it was my boyfriend that I got on with, and it wasn't. I had met the guy two days before at a party. Oh. So we're, we were perfect strangers, okay. um, which happens a lot, um, you know, especially with the younger kids. Um, and I can say that now because I was one of them at one point. Oh, <laughs> now you just yelled at him to get off your lawn. Yeah, exactly. Oh, sure. I mean, <laughs> anytime I pull down, to right? a, a corner or something, somebody's hopping on the back of my bike uh -huh. yeah. until they realize who I am. And then they're hopping right mm -hmm. off. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta go. <laughs> on one side, off the other. Yep. Just like a slippery back seat. <laughs> this appeal seems oddly familiar. No, wait. <laughs> So, um, my story ended that day, um, going off the back of his motorcycle. Now, uh, it was how long ago was this? 2005. Okay. Oh God, I feel old. Yeah. <laughs> you are old. Uh, we're, Unlike We're me. all old. I guess if we all, we all survived this long. That's the good news, right? Yeah, <laughs> totally. So 2005. Okay. Yes. So I went off the back of Sean's Chickster 750 at about 120 miles an hour. What took you off? Yeah. So the only thing that I asked to borrow um, to go on the ride was a helmet. In New Mexico, you don't have to wear a helmet um, by law, but I chose to wear one because um, I guess apparently a little bit of common sense and a little bit of wearing what I had seen everyone else wear mm -hmm. um, and what I had always been required to wear as a passenger with everyone else that I was riding with. Mm -hmm. So I asked to borrow a helmet, and he gave me one of his friend's old loner G-Max helmets, uh, eight-year-old helmet that was three sizes too big for me. Oh. And, yeah, this <laughs> was a great decision, right? Yeah. Well, hindsight's always twenty twenty. I have um, 
I still have the helmet. Um, we can talk about that later, but okay. basically I put on a, a sweatshirt, a pair of capri jeans and some tennis shoes. That's all I had ever worn before as a passenger. And every other time, everything was fine. So why would I choose anything any different, right? Sure, yeah. I had never been taught anything formal. I had never taken any classes. That's really the the story um, that I try and tell the passengers is, you know, you don't have to you don't have to know anything about motorcycles to take a ride on the back. And so if you're giving someone a ride, you have to keep that in mind. They don't know anything about motorcycles. So you might be their first and last form of communication on what's safe and what's acceptable. And because it's your motorcycle, you get to choose what the rules are for them on the bike. Mm -hmm. And that day, Sean, you know, Sean said, it's fine for you to wear what you're wearing and I'm still going to go 120 miles an hour. Hmm. Good decisions. Anything's going to happen. Well, right. they were, they were yeah, probably 120 mile of... an hour Capris. Were they V-rated Capris? Yes, they were Z-rated. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. So it was, um, you know, looking back, it was just a, a, a series of really insignificant, poor decisions that by themselves would not have been a big deal. But when you put them all together they created a disaster for me. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, a, it, the consequences of the crash are something I'm going to live with for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. All because of some silly little choices that you think aren't going to affect you. They need um, you in driver's ed courses, seriously. That's my goal, actually. <laughs> oh, okay. Rick. Yeah. I would love to make videos that can supplement driver's ed because you got to catch the kids when they're first learning how to drive yeah. and even just teaching them to look for motorcyclists rather than looking for open space would make such a difference. Yeah. It would make such a difference. So, so 120 miles an hour, you get ripped off the back of the bike and is it the wind that does it? Or? Or? So the helmet was borrowed and it was too big. So when he accelerated to catch up with his friends, there were four of us on, well, there were four motorcycles that day. And we were the third one. And his two friends in front of him took off really fast down the hill, and he took off after them. So he, we accelerated um, from the speed limit, which was about 60, up to 120. It was pretty quick. But what happened was because I was on the back, and, you know, the back seat's about six inches higher, maybe eight inches higher than, than the rider. Um, there was just enough wind coming up off the back of his helmet and hitting me in the face that it actually forced the visor on the eight-year-old helmet, which was probably weak already, to fly, to flip open really fast. Okay. And at 120 miles an hour, I wasn't expecting to get hit in the face with a brick of air. Right. But that's what it felt like. It felt so you like... you up. Yeah. Turn into a cell. Well, I didn't... Yeah, I didn't even have time to react. I just went off the motorcycle. Okay. So it was like... It was like someone grabbed my... My chin bar and just ripped me backwards. That's what it felt like. Okay. So, yeah, it was, it was very fast. It wasn't something that, you know, I had time to maybe grab onto him or whatever. He was wearing a t-shirt, still wasn't a whole lot of bulk anyways. My hands were on the gas tank because that's what he told me to do. Mm. So it was just, again, all of these little tiny things that usually don't mean anything. They all added up. They all added up to disaster. The decision to go and ride in the first place, not to wear the proper protective apparel, 
wearing a helmet that was too big, wearing a helmet that was too old, yeah. sitting on the motorcycle the way that I was, mm-hmm. and then accelerating to 120. Mm. Usually, individually, people survive those things just fine. But when you add them all together, it, it created yeah. a situation that I couldn't get out of. So what was what was the extent of your injuries from this crash? Um, so in order to put things into perspective, I tumbled 522 feet down the road Ooh. in cotton. Yes. Z-rated so down the blacktop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my Z-rated. Probably not the best maintained uh, road either. Right. Well, and yeah, so it's US uh, 550, which is stretches 306 miles from Bernalillo, New Mexico, all the way up to Montrose, Colorado. And it's actually the million dollar highway okay. um, between Durango and yeah. Silverton. So we, we've been on that road a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's mm-hmm. absolutely beautiful. And we were that's what we were doing is we were just going to go ride in the mountains. And Tom hits that road at 120 all the time, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a rough, it's definitely... Um, it's definitely a road that has tried to get me a couple of times. Um, this was the first one, and there's there's definitely some things that it's tried to do to me since then. But that's a whole another story altogether. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Extent of my injuries, um, just from the crash itself, just from the crash, I had fifty degree. Oh, sorry, fifty percent of my body was third degree road rash. And I dislocated my right shoulder. I detached a muscle in my left shoulder. Mm. I had a compression fracture in my L4 and then a herniated disc from that compression between L4 and L5. I dislocated my right big toe from my foot, so they actually had to surgically replace it. And I lost a lot of blood, obviously. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, miraculously, my helmet saved my life enough, I guess. <laughs> it was a, I guess it was a combination effort, a helmet and medical team. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, but so that was just, that was just from the crash. Now, what most people don't really think about is going to the hospital and being in the hospital for two months and all of the crap that comes along with being in a hospital and not being able to move, and having to go through surgery after surgery after surgery, and then being anemic, and then getting a blood clot, getting nine different types of infections in your body because your immune system is completely wrecked, becoming dependent on pain-killing drugs, becoming dependent on people helping you get dressed, change your dressings every day, take a shower. Um, There's just... I could talk for hours about all of the things that happened because of the injuries and not as a direct result of the tumble, but as a secondary result Hmm. of my body literally just giving up and them desperately trying to save my life for three weeks. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's not the, not the, what people think of, of the, ow, that really hurt. Band-Aid, Band-Aid, go home. Right. Right. Yeah, or everyone thinks, you know, you go to the hospital, they scrub you out, and then you go home. 
and you, you know, you stick to your sheets every morning for a week or two. But it was, it was beyond that. You know, it was so well and far beyond that. It's, it's hard for people to grasp the concept when I talk about it, when I give my presentations. My presentations are usually about an hour long and about half of it is talking about these consequences and people just, they don't even think about, there's so much more to it. Now, you know, if you, if you uh, forgive me for drawing the comparison, is the 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 similarity that's leaping into my head is uh, we had Sue on the show a while back, and she's uh, she had breast cancer, and the actual operation for the breast cancer was one thing, and it was over, but then this massive amount of follow-on crap yeah. that you read about, yeah. and it, this sounds more like a honestly, it sounds more like a how I recovered from cancer than how I recovered from falling off a bike, right? Yeah, and I've read a lot of um, a lot of reports on on what it's like to be a survivor from that kind of situation. And although I've never, you know, been in those shoes, um, one of the big things that I think is a huge comparison is is the emotional change, and and how it affects you mentally and not just physically. And really, the biggest comparison is is how it affects your family. You know, because your family goes with you. Yeah. Mm. And that's what I really like to say to to people who ride as passengers or people who take passengers is that you might think that you're riding solo, but you actually have a passenger, at least one, with you every time you ride, and it's the person you love the most in your life. Yeah. Or who depends, someone who depends on you. Because they're going to go through everything that you go through. So whether it's choosing to ride smart and safely as your own rider or whoever you're putting on the back, you know, you're, the people around you are affected. The thing it makes me think of, the thing it's reminding me of is my best friend back in college dumped a a pot of burning oil onto his legs and he was in the hospital with third degree burns. Mm -hmm. And the, the thing I always can't get out of my head, even to this day is sitting with him in the hospital and he had, um, a pain medication that was timed Mm -hmm. and on a button so he could when he the time was up he could push the button get his medication and he would just sit there with tears in his eyes pushing the button over and over and over waiting for that clock to just go down and because he was just saying the pain was just so intense and he's talked about that the pain hasn't gone away completely either is that something you've experienced yes so I can relate to the button. I had a button myself. Um, the funny thing about the button is that it's a, it's a self-medicating process. Um, so like you said, the patient has to be able to push the button in order to give themselves that day medication. Mm. Well, my hands were so messed up that they had to tape the button to the side of my hospital bed uh, on the railing so that I could put enough pressure on the button to get it to work because I couldn't hold it. Oh, wow. I couldn't hold the little remote in my hand. So my parents taped it to the side of the railing so that I could do it because they wouldn't let my parents push the button because I would just oh. beg. I would just beg for it, right. you know? And um, I have taught motorcycle safety uh, since 2009. For two and a half years, I did it full-time for the Navy and the Marine Corps. And when I was telling my story to a group of students once, I used to teach Um, Navy SEALs would be some people who would come through my classes every once in a while. Mm -hmm. Um, So they would send like an entire SEAL team through a class. And I met one who was like a field nurse. 
as well as a Navy SEAL. And he told me that the one injury that he dreads treating is when someone is burned because no matter how much pain medication you give them, you can't make it go away. So basically for two months in the hospital, I was being tortured by my doctors because every day they would unwrap me and clean me out or I was in surgery. So it was just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And, you know, the healing process takes a long time, but at the end of the day, it's not something that's just going to go away. Those scars don't go away. The scar tissue, it doesn't go away. I can't, um, I can't feel certain parts of my body. Some parts of my body are super sensitive. Some are hot, sensitive to hot and cold. Some of the skin grafts that I have have actually grown roots to my bones. So on my left hip and both of my kneecaps, my skin doesn't slide over the bones anymore. It's actually attached to it. Oh. So you can just imagine, you know, things that, that will last forever. I call it my new normal mm-hmm. because I know I'm never going to go back to who I was mm-hmm. before the crash. It's impossible. There are things that can't be reversed and you can't heal from and you don't recover from. Now, when this was going on, uh, had this had the video gone viral yet? Did that come later? The pictures and whatnot. So during the first year, um, MySpace was was pretty popular, and Facebook was, I think, kind of catching up at that point. But I was still an avid MySpace user. MySpace, and, um, we're what, throwing that way back. <laughs> right. Now, kids, Man, we are old. Now, kids, you gotta you gotta remember, <laughs> MySpace was. Kind of like what Facebook is. But but there was a sass-talking dinosaur inside. And it was cool for kids, unlike <laughs> Facebook now. Now the kids are on the Snapchat. Uh, yes, and the Instagram and, and the, the Vine. Instagram and yeah. So MySpace was where all the cool people were at one point. Yes, and that's really where this whole process um, of becoming well-known as the Road Rush Queen began. I sent pictures of my road rash to one of my friends who lived in North Carolina. He was in the Marine Corps. And they were just, I just sent the pictures to him uh, to show him because he was a motorcycle rider and I was showing him like, look what happened. Before I knew it, the pictures were on MySpace, every motorcycle forum ever known to man. Oh, he could just hold on to him. He was like, oh, I've got to, other people have to see this. Yeah, exactly. So, and of course, you know, the pictures, in order to let people see what was going on, I I took more photos Mm -hmm. um, because I was getting questions about what happened and, and people were making up stories about what happened because all they had was photos. They didn't have my story. What was your first reaction to knowing that the pictures went public? Um, I'm going to be 100% honest here. I was a 21-year-old girl. I thought the attention was awesome because, you know, I was in a situation where I thought that, you know, my body was disgusting now. Hmm. You know, I had tons of scar tissue and some of my wounds were still open and healing. All of my hair fell out from all of the medications in the hospital. So I was bald. I couldn't work out because all my muscles had atrophied from being strapped to a hospital bed for three weeks. And I was still learning how to walk again. So here I am thinking I'm like Quasimodo 
and these photos are circulating around the internet and then getting attention for it. So I didn't realize at the time that I, that I had such a greater purpose to fulfill from this, but my initial reaction was, yay, attention, like every 21-year-old girl that Wait, we know. Okay. I got to ask, got to ask. <laughs> did, did guys start trying to ask you out when they saw this? Um, some of the reactions were kind of funny. You know, they would say things like, I'd still hit it, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> and at, you know, at, on one hand, you know, it, it makes light of the situation, but on the other hand, you want to hear that as a female who thinks that you're that you look awful and that mm. you know you'd never be loved again mm. because of the way that you look. And I'm, I was still going through, you know, massive PTSD at that point. Mm. So the my behavior for the first two years or so after the crash was very highly dictated by my post traumatic stress. And the emotional damage and the mental damage that happened because of the trauma and subsequently basically the torture that I went through in the hospital um, in order to survive. The, taking the photos and, and letting them go viral and then getting on the forums and, and trying to, to speak my case about, you know, I'm not stupid and I... You know, it's not common sense, and I didn't know any better. Mm -hmm. And all these arguments that I was making to try and, you know, tell people what had happened and why it happened, I, I hadn't really grasped the the weight of the issue yet, and that there was a really important story for me to tell, and that I had the tools to to share it with the world. Um, it didn't really come around until I decided to write the article that went viral one year after my crash. I wrote the article because the story was, nobody knew the real story. So I, I finally said one year later, I'm going to tell people the real story. Um, at that point I had already gotten on my own motorcycle and been riding for a couple months because that was the challenge that was presented to me was, people aren't going to listen to you unless they can relate to you. And if, if you blame the motorcycle for the rest of your life and just feel sorry for yourself, no one's going to care. And my life's going to be horrible. So but that's what drove I you decided to go back that, to, to riding a motorcycle? Yeah, I decided that it wasn't the motorcycle that hurt me. It was the decisions that I made. You know, a motorcycle will sit in the garage as long as you want it to, and it won't try and hurt you. Same thing with the... Whoa, 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 whoa. you have not met my Buell. <laughs> has it fallen over a couple of times on you? <laughs> it has fallen over on me. <laughs> it, uh, does, it does it do that on its own, though? Does it, it sneak in the house while you're sleeping? Yes, only the once. <laughs> just, yes, just the one time. I had to start locking the door. That's so awesome. Every now and then, I'll, I'll just see the headlight shining through my bedroom window. It's kind of creepy. <laughs> Dad, come ride me. No, <sighs> no, it's not that friendly. <laughs> so it's definitely, you know, it's a multifaceted story. A lot of people can say, oh, well, 
this, the moral of the story here is don't go 120 miles an hour. The moral of the story here is don't ride with strangers. The moral of the story here is to wear gear. The moral of the story here is to think about the greater consequences before you make small decisions. Yeah. Uh, so there's many so people many would say at this point, just walk away and there will be an end to the horror. Don't, don't do that again. I mean, we, we, we've all met so many people who have been like, well, I was in a crash and I hurt my ankle and bike's <laughs> dangerous now. Yeah. Yes. So, I mean, what, what made you not go that way? I mean, did that, I mean, people around you must have been talking like that. So it was, I was in the hospital still. This is way early in my recovery. And a nurse looked at me and said, I bet you'll never ride one of those things again, will you? And the 20 year old fighter inside me said, now watch me whip, whip. Watch me, Challenge accepted. <laughs> yes. Hold my beer. <laughs> uh, I had always loved riding, and I didn't want—I didn't want to not do it because of what had happened. And I knew that there was a better way to do things, and I wanted to seek out that better way. And the first step was to be in control, obviously, of the motorcycle myself, because. At that point, I could just dictate where am I riding, what am I wearing, how fast am I going, you know, what am I thinking about while I'm on the road. I knew that if I took control of all of those aspects that I would do everything that I could to keep myself from having to go through that again. And at the same time, maybe I could help somebody learn from my mistakes rather than having to go through it themselves. Because I wouldn't wish... What happened to me on anyone? And would you be a passenger on the bike? I have been, yeah, actually was a passenger on the same motorcycle with the same person on the freeway. Yeah. Oh, really? I forced myself to to get back on. I 18 days out of the hospital was the first time I got back on the bike. 18 days. Wow. Yeah, I was still I was still oozing from my road rash. Was he was he kind of a little sketched out by the idea? Yeah, or? he was really nervous, and he had actually sworn off ever taking a passenger ever again. But and you're like, get it, uh, get on there. Yeah, I know. I told him, I said, look, this is something I have to do to feel better about what happened. I need to know that not every time ends like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was what helped give me the, I guess, the gumption to walk into a dealership. Nine months after the crash, I walked into a Yamaha dealership and I pointed at a brand new R6, which was so stupid. But I said, I want that one. It's pretty. And, well, you're 21. And I was 21 <laughs> and they financed me. <laughs> yep. They were like, sure, we'll give you a $12,000 loan. No, no problem. No motorcycle license. No problem. What did you wear on your first ride back on the back of that guy's bike? Um, I had, I went out and I purchased icon apparel i went and purchased a super cute pink jacket and a pair of alpine star pants a pair of alpine star boots icon gloves and an icon helmet because it was still again i was still in the mode of i want i'm getting attention for this so i have to look cute that was you know that was my at least it's it's like actual gear you know Right, then the Z-rated Caprice. Yeah, yes. And, you know, regardless of the argument you want to make about, you know, quality gear uh, versus 
affordable gear and that middle ground, um, it, I, I purchased it knowing that I wanted to get my own motorcycle. But that I even as that a passenger, I had to wear something that was made specifically for motorcycling. And that was yeah, where I started. I like Icon. I'm sorry? Icon has... I like Icon, personally. Oh, well, good, because I worked for I them like for two stuff. and a half years. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Yay! <laughs> for okay, so, 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 you, so you got... You were the Road Rash Queen, but now you were kind of out of it, and you're starting to develop this, I can do more good. Where, where, did, it, where did things take you from there? Well, the nickname stuck, and I knew the nickname was going to stick, so I actually bought um, a couple of, of domains and decided that once the article went viral, um, that I could I could do something with my, my natural ability to speak in public and my natural ability to write well, and I kind of wanted to you know put those together, but I never thought it would be a career. I always just thought it would be something that I would do on the side and find another job that would pay the bills. My first presentation was to the Army uh, at Fort Knox in Kentucky in 2007. 2007 was, was my the first height presentation. Of, that was like the height of the, the, the nasty trend there for a while, of people coming back from the sandbox and crashing bikes with their, you know, combat pay too oh yeah yes i believe it was it was 2008 was um the year that the marine corps lost more marines to motorcycle crashes than they did in action yeah oh. and that's when they were like well we have to do something about this yes and then they made some really positive changes and now the numbers are are really have to completely turned around and it's really cool to see that when you when a Entity embraces the fact that there's a problem and then the way to solve it is education. Even though they had to force the education and make it mandatory, it it changed a lot. I mean, I'm not saying that we don't lose military members to motorcycle crashes. They, it still happens all the time. But the numbers aren't nearly as severe as they used to be. And um, the, the motorcycle mentorship program that the military developed, I think, made a huge difference. And it's where older riders more seasoned veteran riders would take a new rider under their wing and just kind of teach them the ropes, um, give them a little bit of an ego check. And I think that's such a huge thing for the military. And really for anybody, anyone who gets on a motorcycle and realizes, oh, this is maybe a little bit easier to ride than I thought it would be. And suddenly they think they're 10 times better than they are. And they start to do stupid things. I was there, then they're done that. Um, it's really cool to see when, uh, you know, when it's embraced that the education is really the answer, uh, that it, it does make a difference. It's happening in California right now. So, um, are you guys so still there? Educating the, yeah, sorry. <laughs> we're like we're, engrossed. <laughs> we're just both like, huh. <laughs> we're just, well, you said you're a natural speaker, so we're just completely we're, engrossed. We're <laughs> I also do want to point out that just a few minutes ago was the only time. What are you? What were you wearing? It was the first time it had not been creepy. Oh yes, the, perfect. In general, <laughs> what you're are you the wearing? only person someone can ask, "What are you wearing?" And it's not entirely creepy. I can make it creepy. Uh. I know. I know you can. So I, I actually have. I think I actually have one of your old Gear Up stickers still stuck to my side bags. It's horribly faded by now, but. Uh, well, I should hook you up with a new one then. <laughs> Okay. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So you're doing rock the gear now, is the? What are you wearing? 
Okay, so that one was Thanks, creepy. Thank, thank you for bracketing that that sensation. Mission accomplished. <laughs> Just put the screen mask on, and it's perfect. Thanks for turning in, everyone. We'll see you next week. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> Goodbye. I started giving presentations, and I became um, kind of well known for 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 giving the road rash clean speech. And the MSF invited me out to California to do some media training. And they suggested that I consider becoming an instructor. And that was something that I never even thought of. I had no plans or even an idea that a regular old motorcyclist like myself could become uh, a rider coach or an instructor. So that ball got rolling. Um, right around the same time as Rocket Gear, the idea really was that, you know, I wanted to share the story and I wanted people to know the truth behind the photos. And I wanted them to know not just the truth behind the photos, but why the photos are important and why they shouldn't be hidden away or why they shouldn't be swept under the rug. Because that's what our industry tends to do is they tend to mm. to want to forget or ignore that there's negative aspects um, to writing mm. and when we do that, we just make decisions based off of the happy things that we think are going to happen to us and not the bad things that we don't think are going to happen to us. And then we, you know, sometimes it gets, it gets us, it bites us in the ass. Mm -hmm. And I just want to be the voice of reason and say, look, I got back on a motorcycle because it's amazing. And it's, you know, everyone has their own reason for riding, but for me, it brings joy to my life, and I absolutely love it, and I can't imagine my life without it, especially the people that I've met. So it's not about not riding. It's not about not having a good time on the bike, and it's not about being so concerned with your safety that you're uncomfortable and you're not enjoying your ride and, and that it's not, it's not worth it anymore. It's about finding a balance and, and remembering that, you know, there's another side to it and that you gotta you gotta look at that side every once in a while in order to make decisions based off of what could happen, even if we don't think wait, it will wait, happen. Wait. wait, listeners, cover your ears. What are you saying? Motorcycling is dangerous. <laughs> Motorcycling is David inherently Hushman? risky. <laughs> Inher eleven times more likely to incur a life changing injury than being in a car. Sorry. The risk is real. <laughs> think about it. Oh my God. <laughs> I know. All the MSF instructors listening now are laughing their asses off. <laughs> Have you had an accident as a rider? No. Uh, I've been riding for almost 11 years now. And I have crashed dirt bikes, but I think those are meant to be crashed, so those don't really count. But I have not had a crash as a rider. Knock on wood. Every time no, I say okay. that. <laughs> crashing a dirt bike is, or any kind of crashing, it, is it... Is it harder for you? I mean, is it more painful for you? Uh, well, I don't really know the answer to that. When I wear, when I ride a dirt bike, even when I ride a dirt bike, I wear all the gear. And when I when I crash a dirt bike, because I'm not very good at it and I crash a lot, I'm usually going pretty slow and I'm in like dirt or sand and I laugh because it doesn't hurt. Okay. And you get right back on and you keep going. And I think I laugh because if I didn't laugh, maybe I would start to freak out but the my dirt bike crashes have never been anything that would you know create an, an issue i you know kind of i've hurt my hand and my wrist from putting my hands out 
um, to catch my fall, which is, you know, something that I can't really not do. I can't train myself. I guess I could train myself not to do that, but I'd rather go hands first than face first into a, a sand dune. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So what freaks me out is watching YouTube videos where I know the person's going to crash. You know, the title of the, the video is high speed motorcycle crash. And oh, my heart yeah. starts to race because mm. I, I can close my eyes and replay my tumble as if it was yesterday. I can replay the whole yep. thing in my head laying in okay, the, so that didn't get blacked out for you. No. Anything. Yeah. I didn't lose consciousness. Ooh. And then the people that I was riding with kept me awake for the 45 minutes that it took the ambulance to get there. So everything got stored in my long-term memory. Oh, no. Yeah. Yes. Oh, no is right. But you know what? You asked me if I had ever had a crash on the street. And my answer was no. And there's, I'm sure there's a million reasons why that's the answer. But I honestly think that a healthy fear of how bad it can really be dictating my desire to always stay upright and get home safely is what has contributed most to my not crashing on the street, regardless of my ego and wanting to go fast or wanting to show off or wanting to lane split through traffic in California or, you know, Wheelie. have a good time in the twisties, wheelies, sure. Any, any of those things, regardless of all of those, my goal Foremost is always to not fall over because I know mm -hmm. how bad it was the only time it's ever happened to me. And I don't even want a fraction of it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like... What kind of riding do you enjoy? I love riding by myself um, on roads that are high, uh, large change in elevation, um, twisty, beautiful scenery, nice places to pull over and take photos, um, long distance, uh, not ending in the same place that you started. Um, I love, I just, and it's by myself, of course, which is, you know, not the smartest way to travel sometimes, but yeah. it's just basically, <laughs> I would say that I'm at heart, I'm just an explorer. And the, my favorite way to get to a new place is on the motorcycle because you're not blocked by anything. There's nothing between you and what's around you. So you experience it more. It's a deeper sensation for me to, to see things without, you know, a, a roll cage or windows or a windshield and to feel the air, you know, the temperature, you know, can you feel the sun on you? It's just a different, it's just different for me um, than going somewhere in a car. You know, I love beautiful places, but getting there on a motorcycle, just, it just makes it better. What are you riding these days? So I still have my first R6 that I purchased, um, you know, 11 years ago, which is crazy to think. And I have wow. a Triumph Street Triple R. Wow. I love that bike. And don't tell my Fancy. R6 that. <laughs> I love my Triumph. R6 will just start leaking oil and protest. <laughs> right. I know. My R6 has Most never given me drop. problems, but if it hurt me talking about my Triumph, it would it would get very jealous. Um, and then I also have a Honda PRF 230 for the dirt. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Those are my three, my three. 
one for one for each type of occasion, I guess. So I still go to I do track days, um, and I still ride the twisty mountain roads by my house, and I'll take the R6 for that. Um, the Triumph is definitely my long haul workhorse that is still super sporty on the roads to get to where I'm going, but it'll carry all my shit too. So <laughs> I love the Triumph. Um, it being a naked bike, it also reminds me not to go 100 miles an hour on the freeway yeah, because yeah, that's yeah. not smart. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do tell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so yeah, with the, so with the Triumph, you can take the three pairs of Z-rated Capris instead of just the two, <laughs> which is cool. Um, so now speaking though of the uh, the the long trips, um, you're doing some um, actual organized rides when you decide to not be a total antisocial rider. Which, by the way, I, I feel you. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny because when I ride with a group, it's just there's too many people wanting to make decisions, and mm. it's kind of when I'm on my bike, it's for me. You know, I'm, I'm riding because that's what I want to do. So I don't want to do what anyone else wants to do. I want to do what I want to do. <laughs> and I guess it's selfish of me. I can, I can. Oh, you're describing Todd. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's, that, mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm, I can do group I'm rides, but I got to be in that mentality. I got to tell myself, all right, Brittany, today's not all for you. So I'm sorry. I <laughs> totally, like circ- I totally circumvented your question and didn't even answer it. Now I forgot what you asked. <laughs> <laughs> Organized rides, stuff oh, you're doing this year. Yes. Okay. So this year I am working for myself in the sense that I am contracting with motorcycle events to give workshops and presentations, um, but also to help organize some of these events. And lo and behold, oh. because I'm a woman, apparently I'm best suited to give presentations at women-focused events. Oh, oh, I'm riding motorcycles. <laughs> Stroke of genius. What's that? Brad's riding motorcycles. When'd that become legal? <laughs> Next day, we wear pants and shoes and voting. And motorcycle gear. <laughs> voting about motorcycle gear. <laughs> Sending letters to your representative through the AMA website. Wait, they can write? <laughs> Oh, goodness. Angry letters now. Yeah. So the Address all angry letters to Todd. (laughs) I have sent quite a few letters to my my state representatives about so many things. Um, But I always change change the pre-written letter. You know, they they give you this, just this pre-written thing that you can just hit the button and send it to them. I always write like a little intro. My name's Brittany Morrow and I've been riding for this long and I'm an instructor in the beautiful state of California. You should listen to me because I know what I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Listen to me. Useless, useless representatives. (laughs) Once in your worthless lives, do something. Excuse me. You know, my dad had a theory that, if he hand wrote his letters to representatives and mm-hmm. made a greater impact on them. Oh, I just, I just mentally end every sentence with also fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it gives the right goodness. sense coming across. Dear representative Chavez, also fuck you. <laughs> I'm writing to you about the lane splitting law. Also fuck you. <laughs> and Sincerely so and fuck you. Oh my goodness. I wonder if they ever would even, if that would even register. Now I'm curious. Going with no. <laughs> now I'm curious. Well, knowing this representative, he would just claim it was a paid uh, attack on him by 
peoples. Yes. Conspirators. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, nowadays, nowadays you don't even have to write letters. All you have to do is, is admire the problem, write it down on a on a picket sign, and go outside and stick it up in the air, and and people mm-hmm. will pay attention to it. Yeah, except when he goes outside with his "and fuck you" sign, people get confused. Uh, also, fuck Super you. Confused. <laughs> Wait, wait, is that for me or is that? Wait, wait, what? <laughs> wait, huh? We're way off track. She's she's doing she's organizing something. Yes. What are you organizing? Okay. Oh, I am. I have to apologize. I am currently helping to organize the revved up women's motorcycle expo in Texas. The what? The Rent up? revved up women's motorcycle rev up. Oh. Expo. Oh, revved up, yes. Revved up, women. you know, like okay. rev, like, like, man, I need. Can you like install this like rev limiter thing on my motorcycle? What? <laughs> I've never heard that. It's usually uninstalled. Like, can you, Chuck man, has one. I tested it. It works. Man, can you can you like can you like take the power band off my bike? <laughs> I remember when you tested it one on the Rocket Three. That didn't take long. That was hilarious. <laughs> Isn't, I mean, isn't the uh, Rocket uh, Three like just a power bikes, band? Yeah. The whole bike. Oh yes, it is. It is one giant power band, but it takes approximately 0.75 seconds to go from zero to bouncing off the rev limiter oh if you crack gosh. it wide open. <laughs> it was it was an eye opening experience. <laughs> Jeez. I heard him screaming in joy. <laughs> All of joy. my dreams have come true in one moment. Okay, revved up. <laughs> it's the revved up women Texas Motorcycle Expo. It's the first year that they've done it, and I am giving motorcycle apparel workshops. I'm helping to. And I'll be in Wisconsin, right? <laughs> yes, in in Wisconsin, comma Texas, little little known town in the Texas Hill Country. <laughs> That's in San Antonio, actually. Oh, nice town. Yes. And beautiful riding if you go just a little bit north. It's absolutely awesome. Texas Hill Country is awesome. Okay. So I am organizing a Saturday night fashion show, which happens before the live country music band comes on. And basically, we're just going to showcase tons of different options that females have for wearing motorcycle-specific apparel, all the way from you know, the most inexpensive off-the-rack riding jeans up to, you know, sport touring gear like Climb and mm-hmm. BMW and some other things. Mm-hmm. All the things in between. Um, women always complain that they don't have as many options as men, and that's true, but they have a lot more options than they think they do. They just mm-hmm. shop like traditional women shop. They go to the one store and they look at what's on the rack and they think that's all there is. So my mm-hmm. job um, at that at that event is really to expose women to multiple options, multiple brands, multiple mm-hmm. textiles, multiple different versions of leather, different hides, colors, shapes, styles, you name it. And basically give Have them... you heard of this wonderful thing called the internet? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Here, but, you, you know, can find all clothes, the amazing you things. Can't, you can't shop for clothes on the internet, especially ones that are supposed to fit you very specifically. It just doesn't work very well that way. Guys don't care, but girls do. 
Oh, oh, if you had Chuck's head, you'd care. <laughs> and the one helmet Chuck can wear on the planet Earth. Ooh. Which I can only buy on the internet. <laughs> Are you like a size 4X round? No, it's just, I have a very oval head. No, his foot, his head is like three feet long from front to back and like six inches wide. He's like the alien It's from shaped the movie. like a watermelon. Oh. My, my head is shaped like a watermelon. Chuck's so, so an, an aggressive long oval. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> So what 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 helmet do you wear? If you don't mind me, I'm interviewing you now. What helmet do you wear? What are you wearing? An Arai something or other. He wears an Arai Signet Q. Yeah, that. <laughs> All right. I am bad with names. Yeah, he he they, he I got a lid picker report from our previous shows, and they came back with said that we have one helmet. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It was a four page report that said all of these won't fit you. Oh, that's so funny. And the guy's like, you know, really, this, the Arias Signet Q, that's going to be your only bet. <laughs> and he's right. It fits great. It's amazing. My face isn't smushed up against the inside of a helmet anymore. That's such great news that, that, that the lid figure definitely works that way, and I wish more people knew that it existed. It works great. Yeah, we've no been, kidding. We've been trying to promote we're, it. We're pushing it hard. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great resource. It's funny how people don't realize that there's so much more that goes into whether a helmet fits you correctly or not besides the, mm. sh- the size of it. They think, you know, right. one size, one shape fits all. They don't realize there's shell sizes and shell shapes and it's just crazy. Well, it goes back to the, the thing you're talking about. You know, when I got my first helmet, it was a showy, which is really round. So I'm, I'm not quite as oval as Chuck. I have three helmets that I can get. That's it, well. Um, <laughs> oh, shut up. You got the report back, and the entire thing was green. No, no. They ran out of green ink telling you all the helmets you could wear. <laughs> so so I got this super round showy, and I was like, this helmet is good. Showy is good. I like this. You know, and I'm riding for a while. I'm like, my forehead hurts. The, <laughs> what is that? The awesome he hot talks just that like you got that, every too. time you went riding, big old red circle on your forehead. That's the one. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. That was me. But, you know, but I, I went into the shop and there's, you know, there's like three helmets to pick from, especially in my bulbous XL size head. Oh, God. Seriously, his report, he got back, he could wear all the helmets. He could not wear all the helmets. <laughs> all the helmets. Right. Nothing but helmets. No, that was the one listener who sent in his report that was all green. Because <laughs> he's a jerk. <laughs> yeah. What do you wear, Brittany? Uh, I currently wear an Icon Airframe Pro. Oh, they're so cool. I can't remotely fit into them. They're so cool. Looking. There's a couple of Icon helmets I would love to wear if they mm-hmm. could fit me. Yep. That, yeah. <laughs> it's exactly like that. I see the Icon stuff, and I'm like, man, that looks but, really but, cool. But the important question about the Icon airframe, because it is the Icon airframe, is which of the vast array of awesome <laughs> graphics did you choose? <laughs> well, I ca- I'm kind of a cheater on this one because I worked for them for two and a half years. Um, oh before, God, she's got a closet. I have. I actually have thirty-four helmets. Oh my God! Wait, 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 wait! <laughs> what? What? You have thirty-four <laughs> helmets? I do have thirty-four helmets. Are they all icons? Um, I have thirty-four icon helmets. How many icon airframe <laughs> helmets do you have? She Airframes. Said uh, airframe. Just okay. Well, there's the airframe, and then there's the airframe pro. So those are different. You want that whole family? Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> now, if you come in here, this is the helmet room of my house. I have one As of those. As you can see, it's so, helmets. Do you have a helmet room like some women have a shoe room? Uh, well, I also have a I have a shoe closet, and then I have a helmet room. Yes. 
Oh my God. Yeah. Wait, wait. Do you have, is it like a shoe closet or is it a moto boot closet? Or do, is that no, a, that's a separate, separate closet? I have a gear a closet, closet that is full of pants, jackets, and one piece suits, and the entire floor is covered in boots, motorcycles. I was feeling kind of bad for having like eight helmets. That whole corner, yeah. 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 <laughs> Worry no more, Chuck. Listeners, wow. you're okay. You're 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 no not under how, the crazy part of the bell curve. No matter how much gear occupied. you have, <laughs> Brittany, there will never be as many we'll as Brittany. Have <laughs> I have no shit walked into stores that has less selection than you do. I have as well. <laughs> oh, uh, I I just I'm <laughs> just trying to picture. So you got 34 icons. How many total helmets do you have? Uh, I believe uh, uh, probably about 40. So six of them are... Um, How many do you actively wear? Well, the best part about it is, is that I can choose which helmet I'm in the mood for that day. <laughs> uh, they're, about half of them are retired. Half of them are so old that I won't wear them anymore because I'm a, I'm a pretty so big stickler like... for, um, for how old the helmet is. So I've been, I mean, obviously I've been riding for almost 11 years now. So the, the first helmet that I bought, the second, the third, all of those that I actually purchased, I don't, I don't wear those anymore. Those went on the shelf a long time ago. They're more like art pieces on my wall now. And the ones uh-huh. that I do wear, I think I have like maybe 15 that I can wear right now that are, that are still within the scope of the, the, the five-year scope that I say, don't, you know, don't wear a helmet that's over five years old. But the nice thing about having so many choices is that they don't break down as quickly because I'm not wearing them all the time. So, yeah, <laughs> they still fit like a brand new helmet, even uh, you know a year later. <laughs> Do you push a button in a room and then just lights come on one by one over each helmet? That would be amazing. It's like James right? James Bond's <laughs> motorcycle closet, where like things walls, like spin like and rotate and, the and just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's okay what's your favorite helmet uh, i can't i there's i can't uh <laughs> you could do it one of the helmets will get sad okay. she says another one so my favorite helmet is going to be the one i i helped design a couple of helmets and by design i mean i helped come up with the actual concept of the graphic and then i helped pick color choices to make it you know what as a group, Icon works as a group. There's only 18 people that work for that company directly and everybody works oh. together on okay. figuring things out. So that's why their, their look and everything is always so eclectic and they come out with the craziest stuff because they've got all these minds mm-hmm. working together. So mm. no one can ever say I did that helmet by myself. Um, mm. But right now um, it is, it is an Icon Armada and it is called the Opacity. It is a female-specific graphic um, where basically the graphic is peacock feathers all over the helmet, but it's neon colors. I would totally wear that. That would be my favorite right now, just because it's the newest one, and I helped with it so much. It was my idea. Um, the graphic was my idea, and it's just so cool to know, like, hey, somebody thought that my idea was good enough to actually try it out and then they tried it and they liked it and now they're making it for people to purchase and it just feels what, good what did you do for icon what was your your whole role at icon or is at icon um well 
when I worked for them uh, as an employee, I was a brand specialist, um, which was the middleman between the brand and the dealership. So it actually traveled to dealerships all over the country and helped them. A case full of 34 helmets. Yeah, right. (laughs) I would help them. They don't give reps that many. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody has that many helmets, Chuck. (laughs) That's That's a terrible number to throw out there. No one would ever have 34 helmets. Oh, and the, and the collection will only continue to grow because, you know, I still, I still have connections with them, and I love the products. I've seen, I've seen them from start to finish, you know, from concept all the way through prototype development and testing and everything, and I trust them. So, it'll just continue to grow. Um, but my job uh, with Icon was to relay the information from the brand itself to the dealers and help educate the staff, help the dealers choose what would be right for their sales floor based off who was coming in their door every day and, and what their target demographic was. Um, I would help educate the reps on how to sell icon to dealerships. I helped run events. Um, whenever icon sponsors an event, um, we hire, you know, the riders, the models, and someone has to kind of manage everything, so I did that. Um, and then, of course, I got to go to the home office and sit down and talk about ideas uh, twice a year, which is one of my favorite things to do, and, and work with the designers and sit down and, and look at the computer and, and the hand drawings and, and see how things were translating and, and watch gear it was as it was coming back from the manufacturer and all the changes that you'd make and trying it on and testing it. And it was just really cool experience to see things from behind the scenes and to know what's being made, why it's being made, the decisions that are made um, and all the politics and everything behind it. I feel like I have a really, a really good grasp on the, the gear industry because of my experience with Icon. So, so now what, uh, what are the events you're, uh, so you mentioned the, the Revit, or the, excuse me, the revved up um, yeah. event. Are there other events you're going to be at this year where people can sit and listen and be enthralled like we are? <laughs> um, the next event after the revved up women's expo in Texas is the women's motorcycle summit and America's motor rally, which is in Uray, Colorado. And that's, in, oh, that's a really tough place to have to ride. To I know, right. It's so horrible. Stop, please. No. <laughs> it's at the beginning of June, um, and I'm really proud of that one because, and I haven't announced this yet, I'm actually doing a Facebook Live video on Sunday to announce um, what I'm about to tell you guys, but in order to get to your Ray, um, one of the routes that you can take is 550, which is the road that mm-hmm. my crash happened on. So in 2012, I started in Montrose, Colorado, and rode all the way south to Bernalillo to kind of conquer that road because I had never ridden it on my own motorcycle and I wanted to say, Hey, I beat it. You know, this time I'm organizing a group ride. Um, whoever wants to go with me is welcome. Um, you don't have to pay for it or anything. You just have to sign up and then you'll get the newsletter and all the information on, on start to finish and the plan. But basically I'm organizing a group ride from Albuquerque, New Mexico, which is where I grew up and which is where I was living when, my crash happened um, all the way to Durango um, on US 550. And that's going to be on Monday, June 5th. 
So oh, well. you have to take the day off work, but it's it's well worth it, I guess. And then, oh. you know, you'll be in Durango anyway, so, and since you're off work, well, you know, you just sort of head north. Yes. Well, and the, the, the Women's Expo um, that is in Ure, it starts on Wednesday. So... Hmm. Okay. Um, so I'm basically, I'm going up to that expo, but to get there, I'm taking 550 and I'm inviting anyone who wants to come with me to go. And then they're kind of having like a party that night with the, with the, the women's motorcycle summit organizers uh, in Durango that night. And then we're all going to ride to URA the next day together. Cool. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. It's going to be pretty cool. Um, let me say cool a few more times. Yeah, it's yeah, going to be awesome, man. Cool Super cool, rad stuff. I'm good at <laughs> word choice. <laughs> the kids the cool, the cool, kids will all be into it because they're cool. Because it's cool. They'll find it on the MySpace. <laughs> on the My, the My Facebook is, yeah. Yes. <laughs> kids on the, the internet. So funny. The Women's Expo, or sorry, the Women's Motorcycle Summit has a second um, event in Pigeon Forge in October and I'm going to go to that one as well. So I'll be giving workshops and I'll also be competing in America's Motor Rally, which is a scavenger hunt based riding competition that happens over two days. And it's in, in huh. conjunction with Reaver. I'm sure you guys know who they are and Butler maps and super cool. It's just fun, fun stuff and a little bit of a competition and beautiful places and amazing riding. And it, it doesn't really get much better than that. And then and you can do it all by yourself instead of in a group, which will be nice. You actually have to be on a team. They force you, they make you have to be on a team of at least two. So I need a partner. Oh, does, it, does someone want to go to this, the summit with me? I need a partner. I need a teammate for America's Motor Rally so that we can Listen, win. Just calm down. And a bunch oh, of dude writing emails, go. <laughs> bunch of dude, bunch of women, bunch of, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry to your email box in advance. Speaking of, how can people find you or get a hold of you? They can find me at BrittanyMorrow.com. It's just that easy. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yep. Or rockthegear.org. Your Facebook page? Uh, my Facebook what? page. Um, really, I mean, honestly, this is going to sound, it's going to sound silly, but all they have to do is Google me and they will find me oh, okay. in, in several yeah. different places. They'll find my Facebook, my website, my Instagram, my blog, my cool. YouTube channel, all those things. They'll find all the things, all the Britney. All the Britney, all the Britney, all the, Britney, all the time. <laughs> I feel like there's not enough Britney. Google, never mind. I need more Britney in my life. <laughs> Apparently, you should go be your teammate. Uh, yes. Maybe I should have a competition. Who wants to be, who, who gets to stuck with someone who would rather be riding by themselves? No, she wants, she'll want to win this competition. She doesn't need me. I am the motorcycle anchor. That's that. I, I could be on your team. We could be the we could be the antisocial team. Are you guys gonna ride together? <laughs> <laughs> we'll we, we'll end up at the same places, but we're not riding together. Yeah. See, see you at dinner. <laughs> <laughs> the only way pe Todd likes to ride together with people is if someone's sitting in the sidecar. Ooh, <laughs> I just can't get away from them. I've always I wanted to try the that. So I can outrun them. Oh, well, we I, could help. We can help. <laughs> we we have several options. Go fast or go slow. <laughs> we don't actually have anything in between at the present. <laughs> the real question is, can you get the sidecar up in the air? You know, the funny thing about that was, is I actually set a new record at work today for the most trips around the traffic circle with a sidecar in the air. Yes. 
The new record is five, FYI. That's awesome. I approve of this message. <laughs> you should teach me how to do that. It's really easy. <laughs> do what I'm you're not supposed to do, and it will go in the air, right? I'm scared of all the things. <laughs> I, have a, I have this fear of just all the things. Well, that's the healthy fear, right? Yeah, I guess. That's funny. Awesome. All right. Well, Brittany, thanks so much for being on with us. This has been really super cool. Absolutely. And totally worth the wait. Yeah. Um, sorry that uh, it took so long, but now that I know that you guys are, you know, only going to ask me questions like, what are you wearing? I guess maybe I'll do it again sometime. That would be cool. <laughs> That's a lot of helmets. 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 Many helmets. Well, now I, I look at the, look at it this way. If your wife walks in and looks at your helmets and gives you a look like this. That's really funny because listeners can't see it. No, yeah, but they can imagine. <laughs> yes. We need to get her to send us a picture of this. We totally need a picture of the yeah, helmets. We got to ask yep. for that. Yeah. We'll put the, we'll, if we get a picture of the helmets, we'll totally put it up. Oh, yeah. I wonder if her page has a picture of the helmets. I don't know. I'm just going to ask her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so wear gear apparently is a thing. Wear but, gear. Uh, I'm, I'm glad she's turned it into something positive. You know, you can hear in her voice when she's talking about it that, the you know, that, that like she talks about you, you heal, but you don't. You're never really 100% better from that kind of thing. Yeah, that's that, That's the kind of thing that just lives with you for the rest of your life. Right? normal. Like I was saying about my friend, it's, yeah, he, he, he spoke at length about it. It's just something that doesn't really ever 100% go away. Mm-hmm. The new normal. Yeah. Mm. So there's a couple places we want, or a couple shout-outs we want to give. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Motor Tourers Mileage Mania, they're, they're still doing their thing for charity or still doing signups. Still plenty of time since the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. Go to com slash weblog slash 2017 dash mileage dash mania. We'll have the link in the show notes. You can sign up it's for charity and an excuse to ride. So good thing all around. And recently, uh, the Modus Maniacs Facebook group has opened from a close to a public group now. So you can go check out and see what the other Modus owners are saying about the bikes, um, you know, their day-to-day experience and how they're living with it. And you can find that on facebook.com slash groups slash modus.maniacs. Also with a link in our appropriate show notes. Mm-hmm. So you can go check that out and, uh, you know, see what riding a $30,000 motorcycle is like. Mm-hmm. I bet it's like a $15,000 motorcycle, but more so. <laughs> but double the bike? Seems like it. Yeah. Logically, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Brett in Canada wrote us an email. We were uh, we were complaining about how the uh, costs are going to go up for our registration. License. Oh, it's license now? License. Li- oh, yeah, the license, license like is going up several bucks. dollars. Yeah, yeah, 10 bucks, yeah, 5 bucks. We're, we're very cranky about that because America, not that you have to inspect it anymore because... Oh, yeah, we just got rid of that. America. Yeah. Safety inspections are yeah. a thing of the past. Safety inspections are a thing of the past in Utah. Look for that on a future show. Not soon enough because I still had to fix the bumper of my car. For it to pass safety this year, that cost me several hundred dollars. Oh, okay. Your, your dust ruffle bumper was was a little too beat up from the driveway. It, it was sort of hanging off the side. There, That's what yeah. you get for having a dust ruffle. Yeah. So, uh, Brett in Canada laughs at us heartily. In Montreal, it costs eight hundred dollars for a first license, and then five hundred dollars a year for a mid-sized bike. Granted, our dollars are like mini versions of your dollars, which isn't really true anymore. No. But, <laughs> 
But still, land of the free indeed. Lucky guys. In Montreal, it's 300 for the driver's permit a year and minimum 500 for the bike, around 700 if it has any power. Holy crap. <laughs> I'm spending a couple years in Switzerland. Looking forward to seeing costs over here. But initially, they look cheaper than Canada, which apparently is everything. Although working on vehicles is not done here. Trying to find oil is a nightmare. Just take it to a dealer for a service. Huh. Have a great week. He's definitely Canadian. <laughs> He's so nice. He's so nice. Yeah. That is, wow. <coughs> that is a lot of money. Yeah, this is a lot of money. <laughs> I'm, I, I, can, I can just imagine the, the, the emotional turmoil he must have had of being a really polite Canadian and listening to the Americans be like, it's $10 more. I got to pay $35 for the license. That's, I'm being ripped off. What about my freedom? Yeah. And in, his, in the one side of his head, he's all like, <laughs> and the other side of his head, he's all like Canadian. He's already apologizing. Yeah. He's apologizing in his head. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Eh? <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. 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 Excuse me. Sorry. 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 <laughs> Angry Canadian letters. emails. Now. Well, they're all apology emails. <laughs> It'll all be like, angry, angry, really, sorry, sorry, have sorry. a great day. Love sorry. Just, 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 sorry. Sorry. <laughs> all these emails, just sorry. They're like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand <laughs> it all. Sorry. <laughs> Excuse me. Pardon me. Oh, my bad. Oop. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> They're going to build a wall. <laughs> They're not already building a wall? Well, right now it's just a hedge. They're going to build a wall in America, <laughs> and America is going to pay for it. <laughs> well, except when they come to ask, they'll be like, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, we sorry. need to pay for them. Sorry. <laughs> Besides, most of, what they use, most of what they use these days for a wall is water and wide open spaces. Yeah. Without even a Timmy's. It'll be a wall of moose. <laughs> moose is end to end. Uh, moose stood end to end, looking menacingly. Mm. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what well, what have you learned this week, Chuck? Canadians are very nice people. <laughs> I've I've learned that we're we're, we're we're sorry, Canadians. <laughs> very sorry about that. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> That's all we got time for this week. Until next week, I'm Todd. And I'm sorry. <laughs> right safe, everyone. Sorry. You can contact us at wheelnerds at gmail.com or leave us a message at area code 801-917-4136. Record an intro for our show of you and your bike, and maybe it'll be on a future show. Stickers and other merchandise is available at our website, www.wheelnerds.com. If you use iTunes or Stitcher, please leave a review for us. Hell, write our URL on bathroom walls if it helps. If you like this podcast, you can find more like it at wheelnerds.com. This has been a Wheelnerds production, all rights reserved. Readings from other sources are the property of their respective owners and are used with satirical intent. Can I fill this with water? Yeah, totally. Uh, it's not I'd get you a clean cup. That's going to be like, it's not filled with pee, is it? No. You want, would you like a clean cup instead? Oh,